Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for your dynamic desire to lean in. You know, you only need one moment in God's presence and we get, you know, I, I, I'll talk about it, I guess, but we don't want to have a culture where it's just kind of on a couple of people to make that happen. Where the people come to praise God, God will turn up. You know, you know I, I've come to praise God and I know many others have. And you might be a neighbor of someone or a friend and you're thinking, what is this? I thought they were in the 24-7 schools and doing the community work and doing all the, you know, the normal church. We are, but we're not. <laughs> like, we're, we're in there, but, you know, we, we want to see what God wants to see, and we want to see life come. God, God wants to bless you. We started a brand new series this morning, and so we've got a little bit of time left. Um, we've called this series, really important series, um, a, a name. Um, it's called All Together Now. And when we decided that we're going to say this was a year of revival, this is one of the messages that I knew we needed to bring. In some ways, it might seem like a wee bit of an in-house topic, um, not for those in the outhouse. No, not funny. But it's actually, there'll be some takeaways, even if it's your first time ever to church, I reckon there'll be some stuff that is speaking to your heart today that is um, actually you can take away and probably even use. But genuine revival, not, not revival we just call revival and hope it feels good. I'm talking about what we're believing for is where God himself comes, revives people's hearts, bodies, lives, souls, revives people, requires unity. Unity. All together now. I can see people wanting to bolt. Don't worry, we've locked, we've locked the doors, it's all good. There are some things that God wants to do in our lives that can, this is going to be contentious for some people. There are some things that God wants to do in our lives that can only be unlocked by connecting with another. There are some things that God will do in your life that can only come by connecting with Him. Salvation, forgiveness, righteousness, peace, joy. Like, you've got to be clear about that. But there are other things, a lot of other things that Jesus, he'll do a large part of the work, but then he says stuff like this through people like David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people are together in unity. Good and pleasant. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down the Aaron's robe, the robe from the collar on his robe right to the edges, one translation says. It's as though the Jew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. The, you know, the New King James says, um, commands a blessing. And this actually says, bestows, I don't know if we've got it on the screen, a blessing. Do we have the scriptures? We need them today. Forevermore. Commands a blessing forevermore. And I've kind of titled, I don't, I don't need a title today, but I've called it Oil and Jew. Oil and Jew. And I just want to talk about this whole thing that God has promised that can only come by unity. Um, has anyone ever heard of the All Blacks? Okay, they're a rugby team, and uh, they're quite popular. Uh, I actually thought about playing for them when I was young. <laughs> actually, I have played one game of rugby, one game, and it was in Form 2. And I was, um, I was brought into the game. Why did you laugh like that, Alex? Hannah? 
Is it, has it got something to do with my height, physique, and overall dynamo power? So we're playing a game of rugby, and I, I signed up for it. So it's the first time I ever played. I was Form 2, and uh, they put me on the park. We're playing at Green Meadows against another high school. And uh, I started, and I was running for a few minutes, hadn't had the ball. They put me on the wing, I think, and then the ball came to me. And I thought, you know, your minds, I'd not grown up playing rugby. And so my mind, I've got the ball, and I'm just thinking, okay, I sort of, I'm, this is what is going on. I'm holding the ball thinking, I think I've got to run with it. And so, you know, that I'm processing on that level. So then I just start running, and I didn't see it coming, but out of nowhere, someone blindsided me and just, like, massive tackle on the ground, and the ball was knocked out of my hand. And I just lay there on the ground. And this was what I thought. I thought, that, this is stupid. <laughs> so I got up, and I walked off. <laughs> and I never walked back. All Blacks weren't for me. But they're actually known as the greatest team to ever compete out of any sport as far as their record and some of what goes on. And one of the things that's been talked about is their culture. I would say of one of the most formidable all-black crews, I think it was probably the one where Richie, in hindsight, and probably at the time the one that Richie McCoy studies written about it, there was a piece on the culture of the all-blacks. They wrote a few things. The first thing they said was that if you won player of the day in the all-blacks at any tournament, at any game, you were the one who had to stay at the end and sweep out the sheds. And what they did, they, they wrote about it, they always wanted to value the whole team more than just individuals' talents and abilities. So the, if, you, if you got player of the day and you had an outstanding, because you'll get it because you had an outstanding day, you have to stay behind and you have to clean everything, sweep it all out. And the second thing that they also found out, and I think we've got, we've got a photo of the team, um, this is the 2011 team, and so they also found that they were, this is really interesting, really great friends. Really great friends. There's a strong connection amongst a lot of them. And I'll leave that picture up because what I find really sad, could find a better superlative than that, but that the All Blacks actually act more biblically than a lot of churches sometimes. They were blessed. I mean, I'm not talking about like spiritual. I'm sure there were some spiritual things going on, no doubt. But they were blessed in terms of winning and dominating with a leather ball. But we, the church, are meant to be blessed. More blessed. A greater blessing than a mug, a cup, or an accolade. And in David, David, who actually wrote this, had 20 um, children. 21. 20 or 21. And he had 20 sons and one daughter. And some people think he wrote it because of family dynamics. But he also had lots of leaders of tribes in Israel. So he always had this kind of thing about, you know, people. It's just people. Even in this room today, there's a lot of people dynamics that go on. They just are. It's just, we're not a church who have ever prescribed that you just have to act perfectly here. But I think we have, and we do want to prescribe that we should act in love. So if stuff goes weird, let's try to, if we can, respond in love. Like that, I think that's better than perfection. Because love in itself is a perfection. And, and David wrote, he said, look, this kind of unifiedness, togetherness, it's like precious oil that runs down the head the beard of Aaron's collar and his robe, and the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, life even more. If you know, um, Aaron was anointed to be a high priest that would step into the gap between 
God creating the ultimate tabernacle. By the way, the ultimate tabernacle has not yet come. The book of Revelation says that one day once Jesus cleans the house, once the ends of time and judgment come, that he will clean the house, separate the wheat from the chaff, and then heaven is going to descend onto earth and God will be with his people forever. That is yet to come. We're in a mid-stage at the moment where he has come dwelling through the Holy Spirit and through believers, but one step away from that in the Old Testament was they set up temples and arks and, and holy of holy courts. So you can see the progression. God's been leading humanity and the ages through a progression until that final moment comes. It's going to be out of this world. Like people think they're going to spend eternity in a clouded heaven with harps. You're in for a big shock. You're going to be back here, but in a perfect here that was always meant to be where heaven will come and dwell on earth. This will be heaven. You're looking at me blank now. So, oil poured on Aaron's beard was as though the activation of God's going to dwell here. And oil represents the presence of God, the power of God. God being able to go to work for us. You, um, you turn morning to dancing. You, the you part. Not me, I can't. You, God, anointing, power. It's a dynamic that can move mountains, heal the sick. It can, it can shift things. Jew actually is an actual event. If you look it up, you research it. Mount um, Hermon at Mount um, Zion was actually an area where a strange occurrence took place. Around this one area, Hermon, um, this one event took place in the heat of the Middle Eastern summer. Read it, look it up. Every morning over these summer weeks, a Jew would come and rest on this mountain. And all the significant trees and plantation would be nurtured, protected, and refreshed in the heat of summer. It was a strange event, strange and unique to that area of the world. And David's saying that people's unity is like oil and like dew. It's like a power and a presence and it's like a refreshing, protecting, saturatingness of occurrence I can't explain. I just can't explain it. And, and that's what the church is meant to carry. We're meant to come together and celebrate these moments, but we're meant to go out and carry this. We're meant to have a, a, an oil and a dew. You're meant to have a power and a refreshing. You are meant to be refreshing to the powers and the principalities that are at work in Pack and Save. Did I name that? Whoops. Um, and, and fresh, whoop, no, it, it, out there. You, you just, you got something different about your life. I love last week in our city location, we had baptisms. By the way, our city had its highest attendance on record last Sunday. Really exciting. Lots of people coming in. And um, it's very exciting to see what God's doing. But a security guard got baptized last Sunday. And anyway, um, he wasn't a security guard of our church. We don't guard it like that. Uh, but uh, what actually happened was a crew have been going into Franklin Village and running Alpha. How long have they been running it for? Like o over a year? Yeah. And so they go up and there's a small group and people have been giving their lives to Christ. Like people have been surrendering their pizza, do Alpha, pray with them. Week in, week out, committed. This security guard had been watching this go on, standing at the door wondering, after a while, who are these people? He, he, I. He could see what was starting to go on in the people's lives. What's, what's going on? What's changing? And I talked to him after he was baptized and he looked at me and he said, Jesus is changing my life. 
He, he was, a, he was, I'm going to use spiritual words and he wouldn't use this and doesn't matter if you agree with this or not. Oil and dew started to impact him. Because of how what? People treat each other. Was it the lights? Was it the music? Was it the cool skinny jeans? Let there be. Sorry, I missed that cue. If you, um, have we got the scripture, Mac, Acts chapter two? Look at what happens when the kind of, kind of thing that takes place when people really are unified. When the day of Pentecost came, this was last weekend, was it? We only get to celebrate it, people, once a year. The Holy Spirit, we get to talk about him once a year. It's all over now. When they're all together, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be, I love that language, it seemed to be, you can't quite put our finger on it, but it seemed to be. And that's good, that's God, you know. Um, what se- separated fire, that separated and came to rest on each of them. There was, this, there was this corporate empowerment, a team that was bigger than any one individual. And, and straight after this, 3,000 people give their lives to Christ because Peter goes out with this message of hope and forgiveness in Jesus. There's power. But what's interesting is, you might not know this, this crew, there's 120 of them in the upper room. They were together for 50 days. They were eating, cooking, singing, praying, laughing, crying, reaching out. Jesus had gone, remember, had ascended. And so they were without their Jesus. And Jesus said, don't worry, guys, it's, it's good, guys and girls. It's good that I go away. I'm going to send someone to help you. He's been helping me. You're going to have him now. It's all of that. And, and, but together for 50 days, together. I'll give God an hour 15 today, but if they do another flipping fast song at the end, why do we do these songs? Why? Can we just go? We get it. We get Society has treated the church like an event. We don't get it. We do not get it. The more we treat it like an event, the less we get it. This is real big. If you're taking notes, it's quite presumptuous to say that, but you need to understand that God moves through relationships. They're all together in one place, then 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. 50 days of being together, sharing food, eating, drinking, enjoying God, singing, praying. God turned up. In fact, we're saying it like this, and it's a catchphrase that we're going to really bring into, I think the culture of our church is this, is that it's actually the kingdom that flows through relationships. The kingdom of God. God is our relational God. He's known as the triune God. I can't for the life of me work out how he works that. The Trinity is like a very interesting concept. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, who does what and how between them all? I'm reading them through the Scriptures, and we know that Jesus' role is pretty clear, and the Holy Spirit's, it's clear, but, you know, is that him? Have Have you ever experienced a touch from God? I don't hear people say, oh, that was the Father today. You know, another touch from God, that was definitely the Son. Here's another touch from God. Holy Spirit, I knew it. Actually, I've had three weeks of the Holy Spirit touching me. I'm wondering where the Father's gone. No, it's nothing like that. God is three, but He's totally one. He's totally one. In other words, God works through oneness. He only knows unity. The problem with unity, growing up hearing about unity, is that we put a 21st century filter over it. David's word when he said how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity, that word is a word that's said, yakad, 
That's the word. It's a Hebrew word. And I, I actually thought that word, if someone had asked me when I was 20, what does unity mean? I wouldn't have been able to articulate it this way, but this is the expression of it. I would have said this. It's conformity. That, that's what I would have felt as though is probably the best description. Because my teachers used to stand there in the classroom and tell us to shut up. And so you'd shut up. Now, um, if a teacher does that in 2021, shut up, the student will tell them to shut up. So my, um, my I'm Gen X, so we were like, our conformity was to authority. So we had that drilled into us. Just before me was children are to be seen but not heard. It smacks in the face of a Jesus who actually told his disciples off for trying to send kids away who just wanted to come up and hang out with him. And so I thought conformity, conform. So the pastor says, jump, not here in this church, but I would have thought this. Authority says jump, you say how high? Or they say, we value this, and you say, I'll park my brain at the door, and I guess I get on with that. But actually, that is not actually the Bible definition of unity. It's not. Unity does have a piece in it that means agreement. But even God, for some reason, is subject to your own free will. He says, if you don't agree, don't do it. But if you want to agree, what does he say? Well, any two of three of you shall agree on anything. You know what? You ask it and it will be done. He just gives you this huge scope, but he doesn't tell you you've got to conform. What he tells you is, hey, agree. But that's only one piece of the meaning of unity. In fact, I reckon it's only one-tenth. Here is the literal translation of this word in the Hebrew. You ready? This is how it translates. Alongside. Meshed in. Hand in hand. Jared, come up here. In chorus. Come up here. Just stay on the screen, Mac. Collaboration. Do you know what I'm going to do? Come on. Come on now. Uh, he just said, is this necessary? <laughs> the majority of what I preach is not necessary. What are you talking about? <laughs> I love this guy so much. That wasn't a joke. That was. <laughs> okay, now just come back here. Back up, mate. The three-legged race. Okay, have a look at what's next. This is the actual translation. In unison, this is Bible unity. Brothers, friendship, or friends. This is, just leave that up there. I just wanted to hold your hand, that was all. Just leave that up there. I mean, the, the feel you get from reading those, there's some musical, they, they do denote some scholars' musical terms. The whole all together now is like, we're a big choir singing along to a script, a cultural script from heaven. And it only sounds good when we're all together now. And in the, in the, um, in the, today's modern church, we're like, we've got people down the back who their sole job is to rock that kick drum. And they're like, you annoyed me. And I'll show you how much you annoyed me. I'm not kicking this drum. All right, that's cool. Well, we'll just, we'll just go on with the rest of them. And the pianist and the tambourine and the whatever else is left. 
But the full sound of the body of Christ doesn't come through conformity being told what to do. The full sound comes through getting a revelation that we've actually been called into something much deeper. I, I, um, I had a moment, like this has been brewing, this message has been brewing for a couple of years. And the reason it's been brewing for a couple of years is because of my itchiness around this whole unity thing, which only looks like conformity. And I, I was really trying to get my head, I got to spend some time with Dave. And I actually just, like I do a lot of guys that we get to host or hang out with or churches I get to visit, I'll, we'll just start talking about the kingdom. And I asked him, Dave, what are you seeing in churches where God is really moving? There's real oil in you. What are you seeing? Just tell me some of the things. And he never said, you know, a really great PA. A phenomenal frontline singers. I think that God honours excellence. For the Bible says, excellent is his name. I don't think God honours shabbiness. But the things that Dave began to share with me, just a couple, and then one, like, like an aligning moment, I was like, oh, this is, for the last couple of years, this is what's been stirring. For the last couple of years, this is what I've been trying to put my finger on, and I haven't been able to. This is what he said. He said that throughout all of the world where he's travelled, the churches that are moving in the power of God and taking ground for God and that God is working in have a tangible, you ready? And strong brotherhood. It includes sisterhood. He said, when people value each other, and he said, the more I can get out of the picture of leadership and let these guys build a brotherhood, the more the power of God seems to move. <laughs> he only had to say it, and some things started to really ruminate in my heart. Some things that, you know, John 17, Jesus says, I pray, Father, that these and all of my followers would be one. And he said, even as we are one, remember, the kingdom moves through relationship, but he's not talking about a conformity, an authoritarian conformity. He's talking about there's a brotherhood amongst God. With God, there's like this mutual, like one glorifies the other. God's always glorifying Jesus. Jesus is always acknowledging the Father and the Holy Spirit's there to make it all happen in real time. I can't work it out. It's just like brotherhood. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And Jesus ended up saying that not only would you make them one, but I really pray you make them one so the world would know that you sent me. Like the world doesn't know that God has sent Jesus here in 2021 by us enjoying our podcasts. I'm all up for it. If you miss Sunday, you didn't get the word and you go for it. But that is not what Jesus said the world would know Jesus by. Jesus doesn't care about how well I preach. Good teaching and good preaching is better than bad teaching and bad preaching. But this is not the sum total of the kingdom. I'm hoping I'm sowing seeds I'm just throwing, I should get a big bag of them. Throwing seeds at you, throwing seeds at you. And maybe you woke up today and you said, the soil of my heart is ready for what God wants to do next. And then I'm gonna go away and water and plant it. That's really what I'm here to do. That's what any of us are here to do. This is not a performance. This is not a, this is not a competition. I'm here, I'll sweep the sheds. Let me sweep the sheds. We've just got to start winning. The church has got to start winning. Oh, I felt that. Why, why are we like, the only, we can't even win like by getting along with each other. 
We talk about each other and we backbite against each other. And, we, and, and what did it used to be called back in the 80s? Roast pasta for lunch. I mean, I don't really care if you talk about me, that's fine. But there were some people and they'd just talk about the sermon and where the pastor was right or wrong. They would have been better to write a serious letter. So we're missing it when we're fighting with each other, when we won't sit down and say, where did we go wrong? Can we heal this wound? Can we come back together? When we don't do that, we don't do Matthew 18. Go to the one who offended you. Talk with them personally about it. And if that doesn't go good, take someone with you. And then you'll give it another bash after that. And after that, hand them over to Jesus. What we do is we start to vent through social media. We tell everyone related. What happens? The brotherhood is disconnected. The Jew starts to dry up. No oil. We just got lots of God talk and God songs and Godness. But where is the oil? Where is the Jew? It's in our brotherhood. Dang, this is good preaching. I'm, it's in our brotherhood. Thanks for the clap. That was really good. Is it that time? That's terrible. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say 98% of everything significant God has ever done in my life has come through relationship. I'm going to say the other 2% is 100% because no one could die for me. No one could forgive me. No one could save me. No one could anoint me like Jesus could. But 98% of the rest, listen to me, has only ever come through relationship. And I'm going to tell you about them. It started, I started to realize years ago that what God wanted to do my, in my life, He wasn't just going to do in me independently. For me, Brent, I, I wouldn't ever call him a brother, but what I've experienced through him, he's a spiritual father to me. But you know, some fathers are just so damn good, it feels like brotherhood. They're just so embracing. So Brent began to play a role in my life. Brent was in my life. And that Brent, God had placed Brent in my life that I was starting to be blessed by him. He's just like a really, really important part of what God has done in me. He's never once ever tried to control it. He's never once tried to manipulate it. Ever, ever. He's the opposite. But the more that this spiritual father, the more that this person gets, I get around him and he gets around me, Okay, we eat, we eat KFC. We talk about boating. And then we talk about the kingdom. That's the three, that's the unity. I'm just saying publicly, God has blessed my life because of Brentley was up. God has blessed my wife. God has blessed my children. And I don't say that because he knows I'm saying that. He's not even in the room today. He's with our city. But I honour him. Then there's Jamie Gaskell. In 2006 and seven, we said to each other, wouldn't be amazing. They just shifted to, we're going to London or been to Wellington or going, I don't know which way it was, but it was somewhere in the midst of all of that. We turned to each other and we said, wouldn't it be amazing? These were the words that came out of our mouths that we could serve God somehow together. That's what we said. Do you remember it? Jamie's five years older than me. <laughs> but when Jamie and I are together, there is such a synergy. We do lunch. The uh, what's the real good lunch we do sometimes? Oh, falafel gourmet. The platter, eh? Yeah, Gluten free chicken platter. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie, this is Jamie. In case you thought it was a random, I was just rubbing while I talked about Jamie. That's weird. <laughs> but Jamie and I, Jamie, 
And this is a little bit dangerous doing this because I could talk about quite a few people in, even in this room, but I'm, I have to talk about some. When Jamie and I get together, we'll talk about life. We'd normally talk about boating on the end, don't we? But we start saying, what's God been saying? What's God doing? Do you remember the times we'd talk and say, how do we see the kingdom really turn up? How are we going to see God really move? Do you remember that? And then we talk about our families. And we talk about what God's doing and the joy of it and the challenge of it. And we just, and we just, I just honour your brotherhood. Your brotherhood, bro, to me, is like life. I know, I just know I've always got, someone's always got my back and I know, I think I know that you know I've always got your back. And I see the greatness on your life and the hand of God on your life. And um, I honour it. And Jared, Jared is like a brother to me. He has referred to me once as his uncle. You see, the thing about our church that's interesting is with locations and the vision going forward, there's structure. But the structure should always be subjugated to the vision and to the heart. Anytime our structure feels like it's what we're serving, we've lost the brotherhood. So Jared and I, we work quite closely together, just like me and Shannon and me and Alex and Alex Hannah, who's just started in the brotherhood. Sounds like a weird club. Scrub that off the podcast. I work with Jared. I gym with Jared. But damn it, there is something on his life. When we laugh and when we talk and when we talk about the kingdom and we talk about leadership, the brotherhood is built. There is a, there is a deep, deep brotherhood. I'm going to say something slightly controversial. You do not need friends that are just Christians. You need kingdom friends. Some Christians drink just as much as people out in the world. Leading people down strange paths. Not being sharpened. You don't come away from some relationships like Ephesians 4.2 that would be one body, you dwell together in the spirit of unity, one body, one life together, that there would be one hope and one faith, one God above all. In other words, hope and faith should be built out of our unity in the spirit. If you're unified, if there's a brotherhood, if there's a sisterhood, you should just feel faith rise. So if the kingdom of God works by brotherhood, what does the kingdom of darkness work by? Separation, division, backbiting, um, hunches that we don't clarify, offences we don't work through, hurts that don't get apologised for. It's not very, um, it's not science, uh, rocket science, is it? And just for the, for, I'm, I'm better because of Jared. I am better because of Jared. Now listen, it says at the end of it, there God commands a blessing. And you know what happens when God starts commanding stuff? Entire universes get created. The church has got to get a vision for a commanded blessing. We've got to get ourselves strong in our brotherly love, a bond of love. Do you need to apologize? Do you need to say sorry? Do you need to get something right? Do you need to start talking about God? Do you need to start praying together? Come on, let's get it all done. Let's get unified. Let's get the brotherhood cranking. Let's get the sisterhood cranking. Let's get it all happening so God can command a blessing. Can you stand to your feet in Jesus' name and put your hands together for Jesus this morning. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website 